One of us won the FFT DFS contest in week 13, but which one was it? Welcome into Fantasy Football Today DFS on Tuesday, December 7th. Frank Stanfield joined by Sinajad and Mike McClure. You know the deal by now. It is Tuesday, so today on the podcast, we're going to recap week 13, take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. We're going to go back to the Are You Serious segment that we introduced last week, the most ridiculously tilting moments of this past weekend in NFL DFS. Take a look at early week 14 pricing. Uh, we will wrap up with some quick Thursday night football thoughts, the showdown slate between the Steelers and the Vikings. Lots of uh, injury information up in the air right now regarding that game. So who won that DFS contest? That would be, drum roll, I'm like drumming my desk, but it's not. You can't hear it. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> that is Sia, our champion. Congrats. We actually have audio from Sia after his big win on Sunday. Here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I piss excellence. Wow, Sia. I mean, for the kids out there, close your ears because that was just a really raunchy Sia excited after his big win. Congratulations, man. It honestly is awesome. That sounded like LSU's new head coach. Uh, anyway, uh, with that said, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I was a little distracted when that when that was sort of culminating into a win. And you guys know I generally don't check my DraftKings lineups until like it's all said and done until the main slate's over. So I, I was happy to win. Obviously, Mike got into the cash uh, as well for, you know, we, we've been in the cash um, multiple times. And honestly, Frank, we were talking pre-show. We're, we're trying to figure out a way to... Maybe when one of us has a, a takedown in this FFT DFS tournament, maybe there's a way we can give back, maybe um, sponsor, you know, a, a fantasy football today sweatshirt for somebody or some swag or something like that, because it, it is it is certainly nice to win uh, regardless. But I definitely want to be I think all of us want to kind of give back a little bit when when we do win. But fun tournament. It was a fun lineup. I, I think I stuck to my guns in terms of what we talked about on Tuesday and Thursday, particularly with my stack. So, yeah. It was it was a good run. Uh, I had a good I had a good tournament day overall. Yeah, we're going to take a closer look at that lineup a little bit later on. You mentioned Mike finishing the money there. He finished 13th in the contest. You guys have both finished the money multiple times now this year. Uh, there's only one of us on this podcast that has not finished the money at all. That would be me. I finished 24th in this contest. I'll talk about it a little bit later on. But like I say it often, I should just play my cash lineup in this t contest and I never do it. So. Whatever. Mike, how was your week 13? How was New York? I know that you were right here in the neck of the woods. Yeah, New York was great. Uh, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Got to see Madison Square Garden. They watch them beat the Knicks. Got to go to Brooklyn, watch them beat the Nets. Uh, great time there. And then week 13, DFS actually ended up being a really good week. Uh, I didn't feel like it was going to be a great week until things really started going my way in the afternoon slate, uh, starting with Sonny Michelle, really. I know everyone ended up playing him, but just like it, it we had some question marks whether or not he was truly going to be the lead back with Henderson in. And then everything kind of fell my way despite having some very tilting, disappointing moments, but uh, ended up really good. I cashed five out of my six, or I mean, four out of my five lineups uh, on the week. So it was a really good week. Kind of how I like to play. We talk about it many times. I'm typically cashing one or two and breaking even or cashing none. Or when the week is good, we're pretty much going to cash everything. And that was basically what happened in this one. Nice. Yeah, I know this is mostly an NFL DFS podcast, but I was texting you while you were at the Knicks-Bulls game on Thursday night, and you got to experience the entire New York Knicks experience because it is just a roller coaster of a season. It's a roller coaster every game. They go down by 20 points at halftime. They storm all the way back. They have a one-point lead with like three minutes left in the game, and of course, they find a way to lose it. So uh, 
There you go. A microcosm of the next season. You got to experience it right there, live in person. Let's talk about DFS and start with cash game lineup review. And of course, the cash line skyrockets to 168 points in week 13. Thanks to all of the value and the chalk that hit on the slate. We had three quarterbacks at double digit ownership. All three provided that fire emoji on DraftKings. Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, and Gardner Minshew at running back. We did have some tough decisions with all of the value, uh, but the top four Four owned all came through in Antonio Gibson, Sony Michelle, Jonathan Taylor, and Eli Mitchell. Jamal Williams and Joe Mixon were letdowns. Uh, and then we had Alexander Mont- Madison and James Conner, who were fine. Uh, wide receiver, four over 30% ownership on this slate uh, in cash games. Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Ayuk, all except for Ayuk were amazing. Like, we're talking 30-plus fantasy points. These guys were awesome. Uh, a little bit further down, we had Deontay Johnson. Justin Jefferson both had monster games as well. Go over 30 DK points there. Foster Moreau, we knew he was going to be very popular. 70% owned in the massive $25 double up. Uh, one catch for 34 yards. So, not a great game there for him. Not a great game for Derek Carr. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, but the Dolphins DST wound up being the chalk. Rightfully so, 34% owned. A little bit more expensive than we're used to spending on a defense, but because we had so much value on the slate, it didn't really hurt to spend up on that defense. And, of course, they were going up against Mike Lennon, and uh, whatever defense is going up against Mike Lennon this week, I believe it's the Chargers, I'm sure that they would be in play as well. Let's start with Mike's cash game lineup here. You put up 178.36, and you did have Derek Carr to Foster Moreau in this lineup with Antonio Gibson on the bringback. Sony Michelle and Jamal Williams were your value running backs. You pay up at wide receiver for Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, and you do get the Dolphins DST, which wound up chalk as well. Uh, I mentioned Derek Carr multiple times already. I had him in my cash lineup up until 11 a.m., uh, 11 a.m., and he was my favorite stack on the podcast on Thursday. He was part of the cheat sheet. Uh, I felt pretty good, obviously, the matchup. But then, because of all the value that we had and Tony Michelle opening up, I pivoted to Tom Brady. I just felt safer there. Uh, so, Mike, why did you wind up sticking with Derek Carr here in your lineup when we had... You could have went up to Brady. You could have went down to Gardner Minshew. Yeah, so I basically... I was playing Foster Moreau. I wanted a little bit of that correlation there, but it was really about the Rams news. I was pretty confident Sonny Michelle was going to be the lead back. The, I was kind of stunned that they activated Henderson for the game. Obviously, didn't end up playing like that, but um, that's why. Um, you know, the blueprint for me is very simple, very obvious every week. I am paying for a wide receiver when I can. I'm jamming the stud running or the value stud running backs in when I can. Uh, so the priority here was clearly Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin. Uh, and really Cooper Cup and Deontay Johnson. I had Deontay in pretty much every lineup across the board. Um, as far as this lineup, uh, you know, look, Sonny Michelle, big score, 24.9, probably should have been 40. Um, stuffed mm-hmm. at the one on two different drives where they did not let him finish out that drive for scoring the touchdown, but did give him the touch from the one. It wasn't getting tackled at the one. It was a touch that started at the one on three drives, scored on one of the three, but uh, – so that one definitely could have changed a little bit. And then other than that, it's pretty much my chalkiest lineup of the season. Um, and part of the way to get away from that a little bit, if you're going to play the chalk, is to be just a little bit different in quarterback. And that's kind of what you see here with Derek Carr. Didn't really work out. You know, if, for someone who doesn't score a touchdown, 12.3 points isn't the worst score in the world. But, uh, you know, you, you need them to score touchdowns with your quarterback. So, yeah. 
All three of us actually played Tony Michel in cash, and, and you spoke about how he got to uh, that point score there. Actually, could have been better, as you mentioned there. Uh, and, you know, Sia, I understand why some people might have been scared off because we got that report. It was just like right around 1 p.m., games are starting up. I think it was from Jay Glazer that Daryl Henderson was going to be active. And then, you know, throughout the day, we kind of heard, all right, well, it's kind of like an emergency active situation. But I could see why some people might have been worried about playing Sony Michelle. So see, walk us through your thought process. I actually asked you guys in the group chat and you were like, nope, I'm sticking with Sony Michelle. And you are partially the reason why I kept him in my lineup personally. Yeah, I mean, the, the news was actually good for Sony Michelle, if you really think about it, because first of all, even if Daryl Henderson got some snaps, Sony Michelle likely would have paid off his price at 4,300. So that's the context you have to be viewing this through. And, and so... I, you know, when when we knew that he was going to be active, Daryl Henderson, but on an emergency basis, again, to me, that that was like solidified the Sony Michelle play. It would have been different if they said, well, he's going to be active and, and, you know, he's going to be, you know, the first guy to get work and then we'll see, you know, how many reps he gets. But yeah, I was supreme. I had Sony Michelle pretty much in every one of my lineups, cash or GPP, because it made so much sense from a lineup construction standpoint. Your worst case scenario with Sony Michelle was that he was going to split carries, which means at least 10 to 12 touches and potentially obviously a, a touchdown in there as well so that worst case scenario would have probably paid off the 4300 price tag regardless yeah and from a pure football perspective it didn't really make sense for the Rams to run Daryl Henderson out there either I think he got in a limited practice Friday didn't practice any of the other days they were massive favorites at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars it just didn't really make sense they didn't need to push Daryl Henderson in that spot uh, see so let's take a look at your cash game lineup which had Sony Michelle in it you were the only one of us three that played Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Of course, he was just 4K on DraftKings. Checks in here at 40, nearly 41% ownership. You have Sony Michelle, Jonathan Taylor, and Antonio Gibson as your running backs. Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Renfro at wide receiver. You also have Foster Moreau at tight end. And the Rams defense at 4K. So you spent up for the highest price defense on the slate. And I just found it so interesting because I nearly did the same thing. I, I paid for the Colts at 3.7. You know, they wind up shutting out the Houston Texans. And I, I had something crazy, like 18 DK points. Uh, but I, I had some salary left over. I didn't have enough to get up to Cup or Jonathan Taylor. I'll talk about that. Uh, so I just paid for defense. And you did the same. Yeah, and that's the thing. I had money to pay for the defense, so I may as well get different with the defense that I knew wasn't going to hurt me. You know, sometimes when you take the punts, whether it's cash or GPP, they have the potential to hurt you. There was no way the Rams defense was going to hurt me. So if I have the cash to spend on it, I'll go ahead and do it. Obviously, I was able to do that because of Gardner Minshew, and I thought because of his price tag, Gardner Minshew was, was a pretty – uh, easy play for cash. Uh, I didn't play him universally. I think I had three cash lines. He was in maybe two of them. Um, but everything else here is, including Minshew, is super chalky. I mean, I, the, I guess Keenan Allen isn't chalky. I mean, I, I think he kind of should have been. But Renfro, Deontay Johnson, these are all guys we talked about on the show. And we knew Foster Moreau was going to be widely owned. Antonio Gibson. You know, there was just no reason for me to pay up uh, at for a different running back when I had so much confidence in these these sort of lower-priced running backs. And I absolutely loved Hunter Renfro, so I wasn't getting away from him, um, especially with Darren Waller out. So this one was sort of – this is one of the easier cash lines to make, especially when Minshew became available. Yeah, Hunter Renfro 
You mentioned him. He's been money. 23% target share since week nine. He is the wide receiver 13 in fantasy points per game during that span. He's priced up a little bit this week now. uh, 6,100 going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Uh, Mike, why don't you walk us through your process for not playing Gardner Minshew? Because I thought what you told us uh, Sunday morning when we were talking it out, I I thought it was pretty interesting uh, just from lineup creating context. Yeah, so I expected them to throw just a, I mean, to run just a little bit more. Uh, He was fantastic. He had a lot of success passing. I ended up playing uh, Dallas Goddard over on FanDuel a little bit, so that helped me out a lot. But uh, for me, it was just, I couldn't get to Hunter Renfro because I wanted those other wide receivers that I had. And if Hunter Renfro was going to have a big game, it was going to be highly correlated to Derek Carr. I already had Derek Carr's other pass catcher. So it's just a natural way for me to get a little bit different there, knowing how chalky everything was. But uh, Minshew, he played incredibly well. And I I did play one Gardner Minshew lineup out of my five, but I I wasn't going there in cash games. Uh, I was doing it a little differently in tournaments. And props to see it was a great play. Uh, Made it work. And, you know, it's just one of those – where Carr didn't have a touchdown. Otherwise, they end up probably very similar in value overall. But, uh, yeah, hey, Minshew was great. And I love that they are starting to have a little bit of a quarterback controversy already. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they have mentioned that they're going to start Jalen Hurts coming out of the bye. But, yeah, Minshew played pretty well. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw the video, like, after the game, him and his pops just, like, hugging it out. Like, he's so hyped. Minshew, look, love him or hate him, like, the guy just brings it, man. Like, full of energy, not the best quarterback of all time, we know that. But when he's had an opportunity, he's you know he's had some some moments here uh, from a fantasy perspective, from a DFS perspective as well. Uh, all right, we're gonna wrap up cash lineup talk here with mine. Uh, El Fuego, I dropped two hundred point one two. Wish I used this in some of my single entries, but what are you gonna do? Uh, sucks. Anyway, uh, no real surprises here. Tom Brady to Chris Godwin. I had uh, Sony Michelle, Jamal Williams, and Antonio Gibson at running back. Also had Deontay Johnson and Keenan Allen at wide receiver. Foster Moreau at tight end. Colts DST. I feel like we all kind of ran a similar combination of players. Uh, we just got mm. a little bit different at the quarterback position. I used no Jonathan Taylor, no Cooper Cup. Uh, I just felt so good about these mid-tier wide receivers in cash. And I believe that's what I said early in the week on Tuesday last week too. Like that was just the shell that we were looking at at that point is like we had all this value running backs and it's just any week that Keenan Allen and Deontay Johnson are priced in the high 6K to mid 7K range. It's just, I feel like they're going to be in play in terms of cash. Uh, Sia, do you think it was bad process to not play one of JT or Cup given how much uh, value we had on the slate? No, not at all, especially when you consider the matchups for Deontay Johnson and Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin. I mean, you can make an argument, regardless of the price tags, like remove those for a second. You could have made the argument that all three of those guys would have been more successful for, than Cooper Cup. And for a half, all three of them kind of were. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to think of how it actually bore out. I think Deontay Johnson ended up outscoring him and Godwin ended up outscoring him. Listen, this is PPR on DraftKings. So we knew, we were we were positive outside of an injury that Deontay Johnson and Keenan Allen were going to get heavy volume and we were pretty sure Chris Godwin was going to get heavy volume too. So no, I, I don't think it was a mistake at all. I think this is a perfectly constructed lineup and paying up for Brady makes a ton of sense. If I didn't play Minshew, I would have paid up for Brady. I would have had to have come down off my Rams defense and I probably obviously would have had to come down on one of my three receivers. And so that I still would have cashed. But the point is there was definitely so many different ways to get to the cash this week. And a lot of it was predicated on value running backs and volume ridden receivers. And that's what all three of us did. And that's why we cashed. 
Fair enough. Let's move on to uh, GPP this week. You needed a lot of the players we've already uh, talked about today. George Kittle, we have not talked about yet. An absolute monster game in the absence of Debo Samuel. T. Higgins had a really big game as well. We'll take a look at uh, Mike's lineup a little bit later on that had T. Higgins in that one. Great call by UCA on Russell Gage. I saw that he was like lower owned and had a really big game last week. He was someone that you were on on Thursday's podcast. Let's actually start with this winning FFT DFS contest. Someone named... S. Najad 33. Shout out to that guy. He won the contest. Really, really strong lineup here. Uh, pretty similar to a lot that we've talked about. The only real difference for you see here was you went with Elijah Mitchell as one of your running backs. 39% owned, but still came through. 17.4 DK points. And Justin Jefferson, who we were all over on Thursday's podcast. Shout out to Jacob Gibbs. Gave us a mm-hmm. bunch of stats about how he's basically unguardable in the NFL when it comes to man coverage and that the Lions for some reason, we're going to try to use that against Justin Jefferson. And he's just amazing. Uh, Jefferson is now the wide receiver three in fantasy points per game. So not really anything crazy here, but talk us through the lineup. I have to say, I think I texted you guys a lineup. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but it had the Russell Gage run back and it had George Kittle, but I made a mistake at the running back position. And that's why it, it ended up placing, I don't, I don't remember like 50th in a contest of like 3000 or something. And it was just one mistake away from a takedown. That Russell Gage play was 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 just great for everybody who played it. Um, yeah, this one, again, going with the stack, I, I think the stack I put on the cheat sheet might have been Brady to Gronk. That obviously would have worked out for you as well, but in this case, it was Brady to Chris Godwin. I don't think I have to explain that one. We already talked about Deontay Johnson and uh, Justin Jefferson made so much sense. Of course, with Adam Thielen going out, it made even more sense. And maybe at the end of the show, we'll talk about, uh, Mike will give us some, showdown insight but you know obviously Thielen doesn't look like he's going to play Thursday night maybe it's a KJ Osborne Justin Jefferson game again we'll talk about that later in the show but these are all kind of gimme plays I mean I'm a little disappointed I had Moreau in there uh as much as I did but it certainly made sense from a from a salary standpoint and we talked about the running backs these were volume-based running backs they were all one running backs with no one B running backs because of injuries and things of that nature to guys like McKissick and and so uh I got the lead back, I got volume receivers, and I got the right stack. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show, when you're playing like smaller field single entry, we talked about this a lot, you don't have to be perfect, you can play some cash plays, and if anyone, if everyone just hits, and you know, if it's a big chalk week that week, then yeah, I mean, that's how you could take it down. You don't really have to get too different, you just kind of need everyone to do what they're supposed to do, and and that's exactly what happened there. Not to disparage your lineup or anything, it was a great lineup, so yeah. Uh, let's move on to... Mike's GPP lineup here, and he puts up 181.80, and you go with the Joe Burrow double stack with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins with Mike Williams on the bring back. Gets up over 100 yards. Uh, Mike Williams, nice to see that little bounce back from him. Sony Michelle and Jamal Williams at running back, and then you have Gronk at tight end, who drops the 21.8 at 15% owned. Uh, Deontay Johnson at flex, and of course the Dolphins defense, which was very popular. And while we're giving people reminders, I think you can play chalk in GPP as long as you get different in the right spots. And that's exactly what you did here, Mike. You get Joe Burrow and Higgins. They're both 6% owned or less. And just playing Deontay Johnson, using a wide receiver at the flex instead of Antonio Gibson or any of the value running backs, that automatically makes this lineup different as well. So talk us through it. Yeah, uh, you know, big theme. You've seen it all year. If you're new, you obviously haven't seen it all year. But if you've been here, you've seen it all year. I get different at quarterback a lot. Um, it's my favorite way to get different because the scoring is so bunched that 
there's not a lot of difference between, you know, quarterbacks. They, they, they score in pretty uniform fashion. They throw for X number of yards. They throw touchdown passes. The scores all get kind of bunched, and the ownership is not as bunched as it should be. So that's why I have Joe Burrow here. Love this game in general. Um, Jamar Chase let me down big time. I uh, gave away a touchdown in this game, which was unfortunate. It also kept the game from being a little more competitive than it should have been. Or, you know, it should have been a lot more competitive than it was. Uh, and that one play made a significant difference. And then Mike Williams, I loved Mike Williams. I was actually kind of shocked that uh, Mike Williams' ownership got up to 10% here. It was close to Jamar Chase and more than T. Higgins. Um, I was expecting basically the reverse here. I was expecting T. Higgins to be 10% and Mike Williams to be 6, 5, 6%. Um, but that's the way it worked out. Got a little lucky with Rob Gronkowski. He didn't have a ton of volume in this game, but he did what Rob Gronkowski does, and that's catch touchdown passes from Tom Brady. Um, but really what this lineup was about was getting different in terms of getting off of Foster Moreau and getting off of having all three of the value running backs in the same lineup. And, and that's what we did here. You know, Left a lot of points on the table still, but wasn't the best lineup out there, but one that I, I really liked the construction of quite a bit. Yeah, and speaking of Gronk running hot, scoring all those touchdowns, now priced all the way up to 6K this week in week 14. He's more expensive than Mark Andrews, so we'll talk about pricing uh, in just a little bit, but he's also part of the highest total game on the slate, the Bucks and the Bills, which I think will be very popular here in week 14. Rightfully so. It's the only game that's uh, projected for over 50 points as of now. This is the lineup that I used in our uh, DFS contest, the FFT contest, and it put up 172.26. I had Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro and Foster Moreau with Antonio Gibson on the bringback. I had James Conner with the Cardinals DST little mini stack there. Justin Jefferson with Jamal Williams, another mini stack. And then I have Deontay Johnson as my one-off. And I like all the correlation. I think it was fine. Obviously, Derek Carr didn't get there, and we we talked about that quite a bit. But uh, see, I think the biggest thing here is I, I just didn't get different enough. You know, I think if I was going to play this much chalk, maybe i get off Foster Moreau and just play like a single stack with Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro uh, with Gibson on the bring back there. I think just not... Doing something a little bit different, a little bit more different in the lineup is probably where I went wrong here. Maybe. I mean, I don't mind it. Like, I, I kind of liked Washington defense this last week, so I, I might have kept Renfro in and, and, and for GPPs, maybe taking Carr out, maybe for Kirk Cousins, who, who you did pretty well, as, as it turns out. And then you can, you know, come down off the Cardinals defense, maybe to Washington, uh, who, who were really cheap, and then, you know, pay up somewhere else. Maybe you get off Jamal Williams in that case and get someone else. I, I like the lineup, though. I mean, I, I have no issue. I guess with James Conner, that one was interesting. I liked that one earlier in the week, but I ended up coming off of it just because Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins were both healthy. And I was just wondering, Just it's already such a diversification of targets and, and, and rushing attempts. I, I wondered in that moment if, if it was going to be a James Conner day. It ended up being a pretty good day, mind you. But I, I think that would have been maybe the only one I, I might have come off of, and, and, and then I would have also paid down at defense, I think. Yeah, so for Conner, awesome catch, by the way, which turned into... Um, I, was that the touchdown that he had? Hmm. I think it was. But anyway, it was a ridiculous catch that James Conner had this past week. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was like a good pivot off because we had Antonio Gibson in that same price range. So obviously for GBP, uh, a way to get a little bit more different. And, and obviously like he's near 13% ownership here, much less than uh, those other chalky running backs that we yeah. spoke about earlier. Uh, Mike, what do you think about that? The, the James Conner play pivoting off those others in, in single entry, or would you have just you know, stuck with the value. Uh, obviously, I didn't use Sony Michelle in this lineup, so that was not a great way to go. 
Mike, you're muted. You're right. Chief was barking. Uh, so we're, we're, we're trying to keep the listeners away from that. Um, so yeah, the only thing I didn't like about this was when there are so clear options at running back, value running back and the value tight end, uh, I think the best way is just to get a little different in terms of just the construction of the build and that, you know, not playing another similarly priced running back and play an additional receiver is the only thing that I probably would have done differently here. Um, but when you did it, you did it correctly. You, you put James Conner in there and you correlated it with the defense, a defense that was on the road, going to be under 10% owned. Um, so I can't fault it at all. Like you did it correctly when you put it in there. It's just a spot where if I was going to pivot at running back, I would have liked to see you like pivot and pay up for someone and not stay in that same range because it still makes the build relatively similar. And the probability of James Conner just like drastically outscoring one of those value running backs that are obvious plays because they're in significantly increased volume roles. It's just a lower probability event that you're really going to recognize that upside because it keeps the rest of your build on par with everyone else's style of build. Yeah. So in that case, I would like to put either a wide receiver in the flex that's the same price and get you a little different or pay up for like someone like Jonathan Taylor, for example, or Mixon or, or Eckler or something that like really changes the rest of the build is the way I would get different. Yeah. So yeah. I want I want to add on to that, Frank, because I think it's such a good point. Like Sony Michelle made so much sense for so many reasons. And you might think, oh, well, that's chalky. Everybody's going to kind of do that. Well, okay. So Foster Moreau is chalky too. So that saves you the money. And let's say you pay down a defense too. Now, all of a sudden you have money for George Kittle with Debo Samuel out. And we know those targets. We talked about it last week. We touched on George Kittle, how it might be a good time to take him because his, his price is depressed and the, you know there's less targets to go around. So I'm just saying like, in terms of getting different, you could have done that like Mike was suggesting in other places, particularly at that tight end position where we knew everybody was locking in Foster Moreau. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what I was going to touch on. Like if I use Sony Michelle instead of James Conner, then I don't know if the difference in price would have been enough, but maybe it would have been close to get to go from Foster Moreau to someone like Dallas Goddard. And obviously Goddard mm -hmm. goes out and scores two touchdowns, but that's what we're talking about. Like that's the way to get different um, within that same lineup. So I think that is a really good point by both of you guys. And if, again, if I had just played my cash lineup in this contest, would have finished third, but shoulda, coulda, woulda, and that will be lead us into my uh, are you serious moment of Sunday. <laughs> are you serious? Yep. So that's me. I'm the ding dong. Are you serious? I'm just I'm calling out myself. Uh, my actual play is Gerald Everett. I mean, four for seven, four receptions for seven yards. And um, he had a touchdown, basically hit him right <laughs> in the chest. It hit off his hands twice. Then he kicked the ball. All of this while it's still in the air. And as a result, it winds up in the hands of a 49ers defender. So wipe a Gerald Everett touchdown off the board, wipe a Russell Wilson touchdown off the board, uh, and it turns into an unfortunate interception. So I don't know how many people were actually playing Russell Wilson or Gerald Everett. It's probably more of like a season-long thing than anything else. But that was just pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous in my opinion. Mike, what do you think, man? Are you serious? What made you say it on Sunday? I said it several times, but I'm going to give one and then maybe a bonus pick at the end, depending on where Sia goes. But mine is definitely going to be Jamar Chase. Uh, I had Jamar Chase in four of my five lineups. I had Joe Burrow in one of my five lineups. Jamar Chase had a touchdown, a long touchdown that was 22 points on DraftKings, essentially, for everyone involved. It's just a massive, massive touchdown. Bobbles it back into the defender's hand for an interception. 
keeps the game to the point where it's not really competitive much anymore. And he ends the game with five receptions, 56 yards. That reception would have put him over the 100-yard bonus and given him one more point for the reception and given him the six points for the touchdown, plus the four points for Joe Burrow's touchdown. Yeah, I was tilting. Are you serious? Yeah, what a complete mess there. Um, that's that's a good one. Well, you, you know what Jamar Chase said before the season. The NFL ball is harder to catch than the college football ball, and uh, that's part of the reason why some people were fading him early on in the season. He's mostly been great, but he has had some uh, moments here recently where he's, he's slowed down. Sia, are you serious? I mean, so this is a little different. My Are You Serious is is a three-part thing here. It's three different guys, and, and two of them aren't even players. It's Sean McVay, Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator of the Rams, and maybe Matt Stafford as well. Because Sony Michelle had so many more opportunities to absolutely crush it and get in the end zone, but instead they're passing from the one-yard line. And I understand Sony Michelle, 24 carries, 121 yards, and a touchdown, four targets, three receptions, eight yards. Great game. I'm just saying it could have been that much better. This guy doesn't get a lot of run, a lot of playing time. Maybe you could have fed him a little bit more. That's all. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Um, I think they're making it very clear that they want to get Odell Beckham some stats here. So whether it's, you know, throwing him fades on the one yard line, uh, but they're, they're going to try and do that every single week. And, you know, in their good matchups, they're going to run up the score. So Stafford did that this past week. Obviously Cooper cup was just amazing. Again, fade him at your own risk. Um, Mike, did you, did you have that bonus you wanted to throw in there or, or is that what's yeah, that's mentioned? the bonus? Yeah. I just want to tilt Sonny Michelle. Um, <laughs> I knew it. stuffed at the one twice and not putting up 36 fantasy points instead of 24, 25. All right. Well, if you, the listener or viewer of this program, have an Are You Serious moment that's happening throughout the course of Sunday, hit us up on Twitter at Sinajad, at Mike5754, at Roto underscore Frank. Let us know. Are you serious? Uh, lots of crazy things going on every single football in uh, every single Sunday in NFL football. If you want to play against us, you can do exactly that. The link is in the podcast in the YouTube description for our FFT DFS contest. $5 on the main slate, 150 entries. The top 15 gets paid out. Once again, congrats to Sia for taking it down. A user named Olinny finished in second place and won just over 100 bucks. The Don did not win, did not cash. The sneaky picks, again, just so-so. Josh Reynolds was solid. Jawan Jennings mm-hmm. definitely was not. So we'll see if the Don can bounce back here in week 14. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back with week 14 pricing here. Fantasy Football Today DFS. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your 
time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, so let's take a look at week 14. Jump right in. Our last week of bye weeks here. Four teams on a bye. The Colts, the Eagles, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. We have an 11-game main slate with no Packers, Rams, Cardinals, no Justin Jefferson, no Deontay Johnson, no Jonathan Taylor. They are all either in primetime games or, in JT's case, he is on a bye. We currently have just one game with a total over 50 points, and that is the Bills at the Bucks, currently sitting at 52.5, according to Caesars Sportsbook, likely to garner lots of ownership, and I think rightfully so. Uh, we have three games that are between 47.5 and 48.5. That includes the Cowboys at the Washington football team, the Raiders at Chiefs, and the 49ers at the Bengals. Currently just one double-digit spread. That is the Chargers, minus 10.5, hosting the Giants. Again, I think likely going up against Mike Glennon, not Daniel Jones, though. I don't know that it really matters at this point. Big injuries to monitor on this slate. Elijah Mitchell is in concussion protocol. DeAndre Swift dealing with that shoulder. Keenan Allen and David Njoku placed on the COVID list for their respective teams. And then Taysom Hill and Joe Burrow dealing with finger injuries. Taysom Hill, if he plays against the Jets, uh, looks like he could shape up as one of the better value plays on the slate. Let's start at that quarterback position. One quarterback at 8K on DraftKings, and that is Patrick Mahomes. And then we have Josh Allen just a little bit lower at 7,800. Tom Brady at 7,600. Again, in that same game going up against each other. Mike, let's start with you. What do we think about the Chiefs right now? I know normally when they're on the main slate, you are all about it. Uh, the total for this game against the Raiders a little bit lower than we're used to seeing for the Chiefs. It's at 48 and a half. And I think rightfully so. I, I mean, the Chiefs, while they are winning football games from an actual NFL perspective, the offense still not doing much. They're averaging 19.7 points per game over their last six games. Mahomes doesn't look right. Uh, they're, they're really just being carried by their defense. So uh, what do you think about Mahomes and the Chiefs at this point? Yeah, no, uh, their defense has been carrying them. I can tell you that for sure, uh, as it looks like my computer might be frozen uh, as I'm trying to update all these things. So you guys <laughs> let me know if I'm frozen or not. But uh, yeah, the Chiefs defense has absolutely been carrying them. I'll still be interested in Patrick Mahomes this week uh, at the top. I love that they get to play at home again. Uh, I'll have some interest in Derek Carr on the bring back, frankly. Uh, he still racks up yards. Um, I think they're going to have to pass a lot against this offense or against this Chiefs defense. Um, other than that, Taysom Hill is who stands out the most right now. I love the matchup for him. I, I think he's going to be in there. Um, they might have Alvin Kamara back. It, it might open things up for him. Tom Brady against Buffalo, I, I think it's another spot. I think that game is going to be more of a shootout than we think. I think that some of the injuries on the Buffalo side will be more obvious in, in this matchup than they were in the weather game that we saw last night. Uh, and then another one for me, a must-win game really for Baltimore. I, I think it's a good week to pay up for Lamar Jackson uh, in tournaments. I, I don't think there will be much attention at all on him. Um, so I, I think he's going to be one of my favorite tournament plays this week. Lamar Jackson, 7400 at the Cleveland Browns this week. Uh, that pricing, of course, is over on DraftKings, the fourth highest-priced quarterback on the slate. Regarding Tom Brady, I 
have a feeling he's going to have to throw the ball a little bit more than just three times like Mac Jones had to do uh, on Monday Night Football. And we have yet to see a quarterback and a passing offense actually play against this Bills defense since Tredavious White has gone down over the course of a full game. So uh, I think that's something definitely to keep in mind. I think Dak Prescott could garner some ownership and, and be decently popular. He's 6,700 at the Washington football team. Spoke about how bad their defense has been. And then, of course, last week they look pretty good against Derek Carr. I think there are going to be some people interested in value plays as well. Taysom Hill, 5,600, as I mentioned. Taylor Heineke, $100 less on DraftKings going up against the Cowboys. Cam Newton, $100 less going up against the Atlanta Falcons. Sia, what do you think about the quarterback position here in Week 14? Yeah, for tournaments, to me, it's all about paying up for quarterback. I think in cash, I'm going to consider some of those lower-end options, including Cam Newton. But yeah, I like Patrick Mahomes. The one thing I want to just point out, it looks like, and again, this is like six days out, it looks like it's going to be pretty windy that day. And I know that's ridiculous for me to say, but I'm just looking at initial weather reports. So it's certainly something to monitor. Uh, if the wind gets between you know, 15 and 25, that's when you start to kind of wonder, is it going to influence the pass game? Truth is, most defenses are, are, are forcing Patrick Mahomes to kind of throw the shorter area routes to Kelsey and even to Tyreek Hill. So it might not really affect him that much anyway, but it's just something that, you know, to be aware of. Uh, I, I, obviously, I like Tom Brady quite a bit. I've been on him all season. I'm not intimidated in the least uh, by the Buffalo defense when it comes to Tom Brady, particularly at home. Um, actually, it's funny. I, I was on Twitter with some people earlier today talking about Tom Brady's splits uh, at home and on the road this year. I don't really buy into those splits much. I think they're more matchup dependent than they are just home versus away. But he does have, you know, the touchdown splits are pretty significant home versus away. But then, of course, you see what he did against Atlanta last week in Atlanta. So Tom Brady is probably going to be number one on my list. And then Patrick Mahomes right after that. I will have some Josh Allen as well. Good potential bounce back spot for him against the secondary that is getting healthier, but still isn't very good. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be on Lamar this week. Um, something's certainly off, and that will mean the ownership is low. So it's certainly a good GPP play. I just don't think I'm going to get there. And then I'm really not interested in the mid-tier at all. In cash, I am interested in Cam because he's so low-priced and because he's playing an Atlanta team that creates no pressure whatsoever, which is going to have, you know, Cam's going to be able to pass the ball, but he's certainly going to be able to run it as well. I think his touchdown equity goes up a little bit with Christian McCaffrey out. I think they're going to, you know, he's going to force the issue near the goal line as well. So uh, it's not a play I'm absolutely in love with, but I will be playing him in some cash lineups. Yeah, I think an interesting decision point will be Cam Newton versus Taysom Hill, assuming that Hill is good enough to go. Obviously, he's dealing with this uh, mallet finger injury, but doesn't affect his legs. The guy just ran for over 100 yards uh, last week on Thursday Night Football. He threw four interceptions, still had over 24 DraftKings points last week. And one thing to point out, just for people who, who aren't quite aware yet, it looks like Davis Mills is going to be playing for Tyrod Taylor. That doesn't mean play Davis Mills. I'm just pointing out in case people are like, oh, should I consider Tyrod? He's usually low priced. And also, it looks like Jake Fromm might be playing, might be starting for the Giants. So that that might be something that impacts maybe if what if you're playing the Chargers defense or you're at least considering it. I, I can tell you there's a lot of good punt defenses this week. The Chargers are not among the punt plays, obviously, but um, I think a lot of people will be living in the 2300 to 2500 range on DraftKings in defenses. Yeah, no, that's that's a great call out. I, you know, I've been mentioning Mike Glennon. He's in concussion protocol, uh, but yeah, whether it's Glennon, Jake Fromm, <laughs> Daniel Jones, uh, I don't I don't think it really matters in terms of playing any Giants, but using a defense against them. Definitely. 
that 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 helps us there. Let's move on to the running back position. All three of the highest priced running backs are questionable with injury. Austin Eckler, eighty three hundred. Alvin Kamara, seventy nine hundred. Joe Mixon is seventy seven hundred. And the top point per dollar play in the optimizer that I use is currently Leonard Fournette, who is seventy four hundred in that game against the Buffalo Bills. Six plus receptions in four straight. Feels like I mention it every single week, but second in the NFL in red zone opportunities behind only Jonathan Taylor. He's not going to catch Jonathan Taylor because Taylor is completely ridiculous and they just feed him a ton in the red zone. But Fournette's role is just so great in terms of his usage in that area of the field and the fact that he catches the ball as much as he does. Mike, what do you think about the running back position? Anyone catch your eye up top? Not really up top. I mean, Eckler, if he's in and Keenan Allen is out, uh, I think that that could see some pass-catching opportunities really forced his way. Um, Mm -hmm. The only caveat there is they might just run the ball more, which helps him. Um, The matchup is one where they still should take care of business relatively easily. Uh, But do note that Keenan Allen is in COVID protocols um, but still has the potential to play. Uh, but if he doesn't, it definitely is a boost to Austin Eckler. Uh, Alvin Kamara, also questionable. I would like him in this matchup. Uh, Antonio Gibson at the top, it's really not saying he's at the top because he's still only 6K. Um, but at 6K, I have to monitor McKissick's status. But I, I like him a lot. And, yeah, I'm unfortunately dropping down in the midrange a little bit too much. But Javante Williams, kind of hard to ignore what he's doing for Denver right now. Uh, now he gets a matchup with the Lions. So in a game that they should win but could also be a very, very competitive game, which would be really good for him as well. So those are the guys standing out for now. Um, and then last name I'll mention is Dontrell Hilliard. Uh, I think you can go back to him for the Titans against the Jaguars. But other than that, we need injury information big time this week before we decide on running back. Yeah, I think it's a great call out, regardless of if it's Kamara or if it's Mark Ingram uh, going up against the New York Jets. They the Jets have been awful against running backs this year, but just a reminder last week, Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell combined for 44 touches in that game. Miles Sanders ran for over 100 yards on a bum ankle. Kenneth Gainwell scored a rushing touchdown. Gainwell also had five receptions in that game. I mean, just imagining a an Alvin Kamara that is even somewhat healthy. I mean, he can just go absolutely ballistic in this matchup against the New York Jets. Uh, a few other call-outs in that mid-tier. Mike, you mentioned Javante Williams. If Melvin Gordon can't go again, he's 5,900 going up against the Lions. We'll see what happens with J.D. McKissick and Washington. But again, if he's out, Antonio Gibson did not get nearly enough of a bump. He's now 6K and they are winning games and they're doing it by feeding Antonio Gibson, uh, looking healthy ever since that bye week. We'll see what happens with DeAndre Swift as well, but Jamal Williams down there at 5,500. He wasn't great, obviously, in that game last week. See, what do you think about the running back position in week 14? Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, last week there was like 10 running backs that we were just all in love with. Great values, great smash spots, you know, wh- whatever it was. Everything from Jonathan Taylor at 9,200, you know, all the way down to like Sony Michelle at 4,300 and everything in between with Gibson and 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 Jamal Williams and Connor, uh, Elijah Mitchell or Eli Mitchell. Here, there's not much of that, at least not yet, but I think some is going to open up. Just at the top, I do like Austin Eckler. You know, let's monitor all the injury situations, of course. Um, you know, an interesting play. Other Okay, so Eckler and Gibson, I'm just going to throw that out there. We've already discussed them. I like them both. 
uh, especially Gibson being at home. I don't think J.D. McKissick's going to play. We'll see. Um, Saquon Barkley, though, I think might be a, a smart play because, again, I think people are a little disenchanted with, with Barkley. His price is still very low. He goes, uh, He's not getting all the rushing attempts, don't get me wrong, but he is getting a lot of uh, target work. So I think, especially with Jake Fromm coming in, I do think they're going to lean on Saquon Barkley a little bit more than they have the last couple of weeks. He's facing a Chargers defense that basically allows you to run the ball. And he catches a lot of passes. So I think at 6,000, he might be a pretty smart value. Um, I, a couple guys I want to keep an eye on. Obviously, the Melvin Gordon situation, we need to keep an eye on. I think I like Javante Williams with Mike regardless. I think he's a good play anyway. But if Melvin is out, obviously, he's in a complete smash spot. Um, I do want to mention one other guy that's 4K, and it's Jamichael Hasty. All the San Francisco running backs right now are, are kind of banged up for that having various issues. If it ends up being just Jamichael Hasty, because I don't think Trey Sermon's on IR, I believe. And then we have the other issues with Jeff Wilson and with uh, Eli Mitchell right now. Uh, it could be the Jamichael Hasty show. And if that's the case, I guess they play at Cincinnati. He's the only guy, and he catches passes too. So he could potentially be a three down back and kind of serve as the Sony Michelle of you know week 13. So uh, going into week 14. So I think that's a play to keep an eye on. Yeah, you are correct. Trey Sermon is on injured reserve right now. So that's a good call out there with the 49ers running back situation. Regardless who they have active, we know that they like to run. I mean, that is the Kyle Shanahan way. They obviously don't want Jimmy Garoppolo dropping back 35 plus times and, and slinging it around. So, yeah, we got to pay attention, see what happens there. Saquon Barkley it is just so weird to see him at 6K. But, I mean, that price tag is warranted at this point. He does have 20 targets over his last three games since returning from injury. 7.3 targets per game there. Uh, could be in play. I know it's not exciting. I'll just mention the name. Devontae Freeman. He's 5,700 at the Browns. He has 17-plus touches in three straight games and coming off a season-high eight targets. Lamar's not right. Maybe they just dump it off a little bit more, but uh, Devontae Freeman is that guy right now for the Baltimore Ravens. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Three wide receivers at 8K or higher over on DraftKings. Tyree Kill, 8,500. Stephon Diggs, 8,100. And Debo Samuel at 8K. Uh, we'll see if Debo Samuel can go. There's some early reports here at this point on Tuesday that... He wants to play. He's going to try and get back for this week. I think it probably makes more sense for them not to rush him back, but uh, we'll see what happens with Debo Samuel. Chris Godwin coming off that 17 target, 15 reception game is 7,100 against the Bills who no longer have Tredavious White. I think Godwin is going to be pretty popular here in this spot. Mike, what do you think about the high end at wide receiver? Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we need to know on Keenan Allen badly. Um, that, that's going to change things just in his own offense, uh, but really at the top and just some of the opportunity costs in general at the position. Um, you know, it, we're getting to the point where Tyreek should maybe start to see his ownership dip just a little bit, uh, you know, stringing together some games that have not been great. So we're going to monitor that. I obviously like him. Debo Samuel, love him if he's playing. But for me, it's all about Mike Williams. Uh, if Keenan Allen is out, Mike Williams is definitely getting jammed in there. Um, he's going to see an uptick in targets either way. And then Seattle, like, is this a spot where Seattle throws more, gets every, make sure everyone's on the same page again? I don't know, but Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf are cheap enough that I have some interest in those guys. Um, you know, you get to play Houston, and I, I think it's a pretty good matchup for them. Yeah, Mike, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Adrian Peterson, but whenever you can get him 11 carries, you, you got to do it, right? Just complete, like, just run him into the back of your offensive line as many times as you possibly can. It's just, 
the Pete Carroll way, it is just, it is so <laughs> confounding. Uh, Devo Samuel, you mentioned him again, like, given everything that's going on with San Francisco, if he finds a way to play in this game, he could wind up with like 10 carries and 10 targets. Like, that's not even an exaggeration uh, for, for Debo Samuel this upcoming week. Uh, if Keenan Allen's out, Mike Williams is 6K. Uh, we got to find out more about Amari Cooper's conditioning this week, but he's priced all the way down at 5,900, a huge discrepancy between him and CeeDee Lamb on the slate. Corey Davis is done for the season. I don't think it really mattered anyway. Elijah Moore has stepped up as the alpha wide receiver for the Jets. And my guy, Zach Wilson, he looked all right. He looked all right for like maybe the first time all season. I know it didn't, you know, it got worse in the second half, but uh, he looked all right. And, you know, he actually fed Elijah Moore. Uh, Elijah Moore is 5,900 here in the spot. See, what do you think about wide receiver? Yeah, there's a lot I like at the top. I mean, obviously, I'm going to like, you know, the the Kansas City game. I'm going to like the the Buccaneers game. So Tyree Kill, uh, Stefan Diggs, Chris Godwin, they're all in play. So th- th- that's who I like up top so far. I agree with Seattle. I, you know, I'm always sort of leaning Lockett over DK Metcalf. So I think Lockett at 6,700. I don't see either of those guys being super popular. Um, I just think Lockett has this like slate breaking ability. Uh, obviously, DK Metcalf does too, but for Lockett, he can do it with less volume. He could literally have two catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns, and we, especially against the the Texans defense. And we know Seattle's trying to get back on track. They have a ton of momentum, if you want to call it that, coming off that big Niners win. And by the way, that that Niners loss to Seattle really impacts Debo a little bit too, because I think they would have been way more inclined to rest him if they won that game. Now they're in you know survival mode, basically, to, to try to make the playoffs. So I think Debo may force his way back, so we'll just have to monitor that. Let me give you some maybe some middle options. I think Evans is a pretty good pivot off of Chris Godwin. If you look at their target share over the last three weeks, I think it'll surprise last three games. I think it'll surprise people. It's 28 for Godwin and it's 27 for Evans. So, and if you remember, Evans actually had like a slight back injury at the end of one of those games where he sat out. So they're getting an even amount of targets. I think he's a decent pivot because he's 500 less and he's likely to be a little less rostered. Uh, I'm going right back to Hunter Renfro. He's going to be the most reliable target, especially if Darren Waller is out, which I expect him to be. I totally agree with Mike Williams. Let me give you a punt play. If Keenan Allen is out, obviously Mike Williams is in a great spot, but I think most people are going to they're going to think of Jalen Guyton because he's just the guy who's just getting probably more of the receptions. I haven't looked at their targets uh, compared to guys like Josh Palmer, but it's Josh Palmer who I like because I think he's going to simulate the Keenan Allen role a little bit more than Jalen Guyton, who's averaged up the target as a little bit longer. He's more of a field stretcher. So I think Josh Palmer at 3,000, if Keenan is out, is going to end up being a really nice punt play. Yeah, I really like that call out on Josh Palmer. A lot of smart people, people who watch the film uh, coming into the season, were big fans of Josh Palmer. Uh, so we'll we'll see uh, what happens with Keenan Allen. That is probably the most pivotal news I would say on the slate as of now. Him and both Debo Samuel. I will mention one more name: Julio Jones, fifty four hundred, going up against the Jaguars. He was activated off of IR, and we know that the Titans need all the help that they can get right now uh, in terms of skill position players. So if he's active for that game and can make it through the game, uh, there is a chance he could see like double-digit targets in that spot. And I want to call out one other guy because I'm looking at that range. I'm looking at Julio Jones. I see Jarvis Landry there. He gets no attention, but he's going to get the targets there, especially with some tight ends being out for Cleveland. I think he's a pretty smart play at 5,400, especially considering Baltimore's secondary is pretty bad. I think Landry, they're using him almost as an extension of their run game with those short area routes. I think he could pile up a ton of catches in this game. I don't love it, but I think it's an interesting pivot. You know, I'm going to piggyback off that one, and we didn't mention him when we were talking about running backs, but... 
Kareem Hunt in the squeaky wheel, if, you know, David Njoku isn't there and, and there's one less tight end on the field, then Kareem Hunt, you know, maybe he sees an uptick in targets, whatever it might be, five, six, seven targets. Go ahead, Mike. Yep. Uh, yeah, just while we're throwing names in there, I'm going to throw in one, a value play wide receiver, Laquan Treadwell. Um mm. 3,400 for the Jaguars. Seemed to like him. He had eight targets the week before, five targets last week, four catches, 52 or 53 yards, four catches, 62 yards. Obviously, the touchdown equity is minimal on an offense like the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, this Titans team is banged up a little bit. It's not going to surprise anyone if this game remains competitive throughout or if Tennessee allows yardage. Um, at at 3,400, if we don't get the value that opens up at certain positions throughout the week, um, I, I think you could do a lot worse and he could basically be the normal punt tight end that we all kind of like this profiles is a week that we'll, we'll talk about here in a few seconds where you might be spending up a tight end. So we might have more of a need for the $3,400 wide receiver. Yeah. Let's just make that a Tuesday tradition, Mike, where we, uh, we call out Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, as long as he <laughs> remains under 4k, he's on the field. He's playing obviously the Jaguars constantly playing from behind and, uh, dealing with injury suit. They're, Best skill position player in James Robinson there. Let's wrap up here with tight end. Travis Kelsey up at the top. He is 7,400. George Kittle coming off that monster game. He is 6,900. Gronk now priced up at 6K. He is $100 more than Mark Andrews. And then I think when we're looking at value, see, I'm sorry, your boy Logan Thomas uh, tore the, I think it's ACL, MCL, maybe everything in his knee. Uh, So that's unfortunate because he came back recently. But... We might have to break out the headband again because John Bates <laughs> is down there at 3K. Uh, I didn't know Gerald Everett's coming off like that awful game and w- are you serious moment of the week, but he's only 3,500. Targets have been there. Really strong matchup against the Houston Texans. So, uh, Mike, what are we thinking? Travis Kelsey up at the top? I like Kelsey. I like Kittle at the top. Um, I told you I like uh, Lamar Jackson a little bit too, so I'm going to play Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews in this game as well. Um, but I, I love the tight ends at the top. I will most likely have some double tight end lineups this week because uh, I, I think that, you know, I'm obviously taking a shot on Kelsey, but with Kittle, I think that he's basically a mid range wide receiver, especially if Debo remains out and they're banged up a running back. Uh, I think that those targets and some of the yardage and the touchdown equity are pretty safe uh, at his price point. But if I'm going value, you mentioned it, it's John Bates. And then I don't hate getting cute with Foster Moreau um, once again. I think, you know, depending on how the injury news shakes out, but we project the Raiders offense to be in a position where they have to throw the football no matter what. So I think that that's an interesting time to tilt everyone in the DFS community as they are not enjoying their Foster Moreau experience from last week. I think many people will be playing him this week. Yeah, and he's priced up to 4K too. So I think, you know, people will see that he let us down last week and he's $1,300 more. And uh, they're probably going to look to fade Foster Moreau, even if Darren Waller is out in this spot. See, what's the latest with Washington? Do we have an update on, I think, Ricky Seals Jones? There's a chance? Or is it just John Bates? Well, so a couple things here. Uh, it doesn't look like Logan Thomas actually tore his ACL. That okay. news just broke, you know, maybe a little bit ago. But yeah, so he still has an injury. He's certainly not playing anytime soon. We'll, uh, you know, we'll see about the MCL, the LCL, PCL. I mean, there's probably some sort of sprain in there that's going to keep him out the next few weeks. But good news there, Logan Thomas, who's really a promising tight end for the Washington football team, so talented. And you really, every play he gets targeted, you can, you can kind of 
see his talent. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones practiced on a limited basis last week, so I expect him to play. He has that hip injury. That can be a little tricky. Um, just ask Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to play. It makes him a decent play. If he's out, I will go back to John Bates. It. I, I think he's yeah, he's 3,000 at home against Dallas. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll know way more on that on our Thursday game-by-game breakdown. But for me, at tight end, you know, Kelsey – 7,400 makes sense. I think Gronk makes sense again. I don't know that I'm going to get there with him this particular week. I think Austin Hooper makes sense at 3,400 being the only healthy tight end because Harrison Bryant and David Njoku look like they're going to be out. Um, but there's not a wealth of of tight ends that I like this week. Maybe Thursday it'll change and we can talk about that. But Kelsey, Gronk, whoever's playing for the Washington football team and maybe a shot at Austin Hooper. All right, let's yeah. go ahead, Mike. Uh, I just... Throw in there. I mean, what I've said the entire day, Keenan Allen news makes or breaks this slate. He really does. It just opens up so many things and has a massive influence on ownership across, you know, every position, especially true at tight end. Uh, Because if he's out, that's going to see likely an uptick for Jared Cook and Donald Mm -hmm. Parham, one of the two. They're $3,200 and $2,800. Going to be right back to that Foster Moreau situation. I know it's not a tight end that's out, but. It, you know, just knowing the way that targets are distributed typically uh, and the way projection models work, having built them, uh, they're definitely going to pop as optimal plays later this week if Keenan Allen is ruled out. All right, let's wrap up here. Thursday Night Football, the showdown slate between the Steelers and the Vikings. The Vikings are currently three-point favorites at home with a 44-point total. Not really the most exciting game from an actual NFL perspective, but there are a lot of relevant players in this game from... Justin Jefferson to Deontay Johnson to Alexander Madison likely in the spot. Najee Harris. Lots of injuries to monitor. Uh, Obviously, Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen dealing with his ankle injury. Probably looking more like doubtful than anything. Uh, Chase Claypool also um, dealing with an injury as well. We could be looking at big games from KJ Osborne. Tyler Conklin, I think, could be pretty popular. If you want to just spend down on the replacements, D.D. Westbrook is cheap at $2,200. Mike, what are we seeing so far with this showdown slate? Yeah, it's a lot of the a lot of the names you mentioned. It's going to be a lot of Justin Jefferson with Adam Thielen banged up, likely out in this game. Um, going to be a ton of Deontay Johnson. Those are two guys you're going to want pretty much any time they play, but definitely on a smaller one-game slate. Uh, one value guy I'll throw out there, if Minnesota, like if they're without Thielen, obviously a little thin at the running back spot with just Madison, C.J. Ham, $600. He is an interesting value piece. We've seen him in some of these standalone primetime games where he's caught some passes and, and done some damage, so... Hasn't done a lot recently. One target, one catch in each of the last two games. He's got a couple games with two or three targets and catches. But someone that, you know, and if you're not someone who's played showdown, you might like, why is, what is Mike talking about right now? The only reason he's relevant is because he's $600. Normally on a main site, you see no one less than $2,500. And at his position, he would typically be a $4,000 minimum. So that's why it's relevant on a showdown slate. You're, you're talking one catch, 20 yards or two catches, 18 yards, whatever, like that's an actual relevant score at his price tag. So he's someone that pops uh, a little bit. And then Najee Harris and I think Chris Boswell for the uh, Steelers, Um, they get themselves, they move the ball pretty well. And sometimes that offense stumbles. Uh, Chris Boswell projects pretty well at a $3,800 price tag in this. Yeah, I guess if Chase Claypool were somehow to miss this game, uh, Ray Ray McLeod is 3,200 and saw a few Targets last week. He was on the field quite a bit. So 
Uh, I think that's someone that you could look at there. Yeah, I mean, CJ Ham. anytime you have the opportunity to root for a fullback, like a 5'11", 250-pound guy to just catch passes, why wouldn't you want to do that in a one-game slate? See, anything you'd like to add here, Steelers at Vikings? No, I mean, obviously, there's the big four, Najee, Deontay, Alexander, Madison, and Justin Jefferson. You're not going to be able to get them all in your lineup. So, like, the value plays that Mike mentioned makes sense. I love the Boswell call, considering this is also a dome. So, uh, I, I think if if the offense stalls out, Boswell's certainly in play. K.J. Osborne, obviously, in play. Maybe a potential, like, crazy captain spot just to save you the money and be able to jam in a few of those those big four guys. Conklin is definitely in play here too, so something to consider. It's going to really be hard to, to sort of cut down the you know off the four or five or six guys that we're going to want to play here. I would say my favorite uh, from both a leverage and a a cost standpoint, it, it might be Najee Harris. I feel like between Najee, Deontay, Jefferson, and Madison. People will be less inclined to play Najee after what they saw Justin Jefferson and Deontay do just this last week and this whole season and the fact that, well, you're not really getting a discount on Madison. So maybe it's Madison. It's between those two that I think you're going to have to make a, a really tough decision, Najee and, and Alexander Madison. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention I'm looking at some of the early runs. Typically, we have a ton of quarterback involvement in showdown slate. I'm getting a lot of lineups without quarterbacks in them. Um just because of those big four that you mentioned, they have massive floors and ceilings on Madison, Jefferson, Harris, and uh, Deontay Johnson. So you mentioned you can't get them all. I say, yes, you can. You just can't have a quarterback in the lineup when you do it. But uh, I'm going to read you a lineup that we literally just laid out and it fits and it works. Madison captain, Justin Jefferson, Deontay Harris, or Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, CJ Ham, and Ray Ray McLeod. That fits wow. under the salary cap. Ray Ray McLeod, he you you called it there, Frank. He will be the guy that steps up in that spot most likely. Um, I yeah, he's thirty two hundred, and then CJ Ham at six hundred. You've got yourself a lineup with the big four and one of the big four at the captain spot. And with that many running backs in play, that you don't have to have the quarterback because if they if all those running backs get there, obviously you can have a lineup where the receiver the the receivers you have the two receivers you have get there, but the, it's really the running backs that are getting the the touchdowns. Uh, that's a pretty good lineup, Mike. Yeah, and even <laughs> if Justin Jefferson is the only one who scores a touchdown in the game, you don't need Kirk Cousins who's only throwing one of those, right? And Deontay, I mean, his floor is so safe, but doesn't really need to score touchdowns just given uh, the PPR nature there on DraftKings. All right, so we don't usually give out a lineup, but there you go. Nice little sneak peek for the showdown slate on Thursday Night Football. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS will be back again on Thursday. When we deep dive each game on the week 14 main slate, we will see you there.